Pego. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ferret 64 with me, your host, Yemi the Ferret. What's up, everyone? How you doing today? I hope you're all doing fantastic. We got another episode jam-packed full of video game news, occurrences, first impressions, uh, uh, reviews, what's coming soon, and so much more. We got it all today, folks. We got a showcase. We got news. We got games. We got we got stuff. We just got a bunch of stuff. So let's not dilly-dally and get right into the first part of the show, which is what was revealed during that game showcase. All right, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. There was a Nintendo Direct that was dedicated to the game, which I know it's like, oh, it's a showcase, it's one game. Come on, Yemi. I gotta get that. Give me a break here. This is a, this is full of a lot of information. Uh, it was a pretty good showcase. I mean, all things considered, for for a single game, you know, I I mean, PlayStation did it in the past too. Like uh, they had that showcase that was pretty much all centered around Horizon and God of Ragnarok and yeah, all that different stuff. So I also think Nintendo has done it before too, where they they single out a certain game like The Legend of Zelda and stuff like that. So uh, we started off with a bit of a story explanation. Um, there's a little caterpillar king prince <laughs> um, who is the ruler of the Flower Kingdom, which is where we will be for this adventure. Um, they team up with Mario and friends to help on their journey because Bowser somehow becomes their castle. So the entire game is chasing down a rampaging Bowser who is floating around and spreading chaos with his castle form, I guess you could say. Um, which uh, it was uh, was a pretty cool, pretty pretty cool. I mean, I mean, it is a twist on like the normal Mario Bros. formula of you know the Bowser takes Peach and then you have to rescue Peach. But you know, obviously with Peach being a playable character in this one, it would be kind of hard to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm guessing they 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 take uh, someone else. Maybe they take the prince. I don't know. There are going to be seven areas. Um, I don't know if they are going to put a secret area into this one that they didn't reveal yet. I mean, it's always possible. Uh, so far, we know that there is Petal Isles, Pipe Rock Plateau, Shining Falls, and Fluff Puff Peaks. There's a few other ones here that have question marks over them. One of them kind of looks like a dark land with, like, a, a dragon or a serpent that's kind of, like, halfway... It's kind of like... It's almost like the world serpent from God of War, you know? Um, another one kind of has, like, a purplish hue to it. Kind of looks like a poison mushroom in the middle, possibly, maybe. And then the third place that we didn't get a, a name for kind of looks like a desert area... I think they call it the White Sands Desert in the video, so I don't know why it still has question marks on this map here. Um, but Pipe Rock Plateau is going to be the starting area, and then it goes on from there. <clears throat> uh, so <clears throat> 2D Mario has kind of had like that um, ever since. I mean, ever. I mean, ever since the first game, they had the grid-like system. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> they had the grid-like system where Mario would just kind of go from 
one place to the next. Uh, in this game, it's going to be more like Kirby and the Star Allies, uh, where, you know, it's still a 2D game at its core, um, but the area that you go to each level in is much more like 3D, kind of like Mario 3D World, in a way, I guess. And you can do the levels in whatever order you want in an area, which is kind of cool. Uh, there is like a fast travel system. So if you want to go to a specific place, you go along a 2D pl a plane, which is, you know, fine. Um, so I, I, I do like this change. Definitely gives it a bit more flair, I suppose. Uh, the talking flowers, they kind of said the that they actually had some purposes here or there. Sometimes they'll give you important information, I suppose. Uh, or sometimes if you water them, they'll give you coins or uh, grow vines, stuff like that. Uh, you can actually turn off the talking flowers if you so desire, if that's if that's your you know what you want to do. They also went through all the different playable characters. So there's 12 playable characters in this game. And I know what you're saying. Oh, my God. 12? Well, slow your roll, because a lot of them are, like, the same character with a different skin. So you got Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy. Then you have Yellow Toad, Blue Toad, and Toadette. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have Yoshi, Red and Yellow and Green and Light Blue. And then also Nabbit is back as well from Super Luigi U. So the thing is that the Yoshis and Nabbit won't take any damage. They can still die if they fall into like lava or down a bottomless pit um but uh yeah they, they can't take any damage and they won't transform with power-ups nabbit seems to be a little bit more useless than the yoshis because you can actually ride on yoshis yoshis can ride on top of yoshis they can do their whole thing where they eat something and then spit it back you know it, it's it's the normal yoshi thing but now they're all playable characters so if you want someone to be yoshi someone can be yoshi and you could do platforming stuff with them they revealed that all the main characters are going to play the same, which is kind of weird to me. I mean, I'm wondering if maybe Peach and Daisy are more floaty. The Toads can't jump as high. Luigi jumps a little bit higher than Mario. I'm wondering if that stuff will still apply. It's hard to say, though, because they explicitly said during the, uh, the Direct that... You know, all the characters played the same, so you can choose whoever you want. So I think that does take away a little bit of, like, the... Just kind of, like, more of, like, the, you know, thinking about what you're doing. You know, you know I'm using Luigi because he jumps a little bit higher. Uh, I'm using Peach because... Or Toadette, I guess, in, in the case of the last game. You know, because, you know, she floats. You know, something like that. I guess they're, they're kind of taking that away. Um, other stuff. New enemies. You got melon piranha plants that shoot... Watermelon seeds straight up. Uh, con darts, which are birds that can uh, cling on to ceilings and walls. They shoot themselves towards you. There's conks that are pretty much the same as thwomps, but they can crush things and push through goo, which will be in some of the levels. Mumsies. These guys are very tall, like mummy-like dudes. You unwrap them to uh, pretty much just take them out. <laughs> <laughs> Mamas, uh, they're like a platypus-like creature that eats everything in their path. There's these frogs that will mimic what you do, which is, you know, kind of fun. And, of course, there were a few other things shown off as well. There's a chipmunk-type enemy, uh, giant snails, and chunky dinosaurs. 
They also talked about how the three new powers are going to work. I don't know if there's going to be more, but as we know right now, uh, we have the elephant, the bubble, and the drill. Every single character can turn into an elephant. And when Toad turns into an elephant, they kind of reminds me of the, uh, the elephant guy from Diddy Kong Racing. But the elephant can uh, pretty much... He can smash through anything. Pretty, uh, pretty much like the Mega Mushroom from New Super Mario Bros. U. But you know, on a l lesser scale, of course. Uh, he can hold water in his trunk and bring it around. Yeah. The bubble blowing power-up actually um, can... I mean, you you blow the bubble, and then it, like, it's almost like SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Beating Bottom, where the enemy gets caught in the bubble. You could also use the bubbles to platform off of, which is pretty cool. And finally, the drill power-up. So you have, like, an upward drill attack and a downward drill attack, and if you drill down, you can actually go underground and get past obstacles. Kind of fun. Of course, the classic power-ups are back, like... Fire flowers, uh, I believe the ice flower will be making a return as well. And now here's where things get weird. So they kind of explained how the wonder flower works. Essentially, you touch the wonder flower and it transforms the stage. I don't know if they're going to force you to touch the wonder flower. Like, it's a th it's a thing you have to do in order to pass through a level. It's possible that they will, they will make you do that. I guess we won't really know until we try out the game. Uh, so the Wonder Flower, if you, when you touch it, you can do anything, including actually making the game top-down for a little while, which is kind of cool. First time in a 2D Mario, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, like, swarms of enemies can come out, bubbles can appear out of the ground, the level can actually tilt and change. Um, and the only way to revert things back to normal is having a Wonder Seed, which actually you need some Wonder Seeds to unlock levels. So you need to seek out the flowers and take their seeds to get back to normal and use those seeds in other places to get through other areas or unlock special doors. Nintendo said straight up, expect the unexpected, which, I mean, at this point, I believe it. <laughs> they've, also, they've also added badges to the game, so these are things that will actually change how your character works. Um, so there's the wall climbing badge, which will allow you to jump against walls and jump straight up and, wait, jump against the wall and then press B to jump straight up at once. Okay. Um, there's one that allows your, you to have like a floaty cap. It looks like there's one that gives you a high jump, a double jump, or a triple jump maybe. Um, there's one that's like a dolphin. Maybe it is, you can swim faster through water. Uh, there's one that has a mushroom that has a refresh symbol around it. Maybe it refreshes your, your held item which is the thing in this one now it kind of like a, in a 3d world and bowser's fury you could save a power-up you can do the same thing in this one uh there's one that maybe gives you more coins makes uh, oh i do know there's one that makes you infinitely run which would be good for speedrunners and stuff like that um there's another one called safety bounce which uh, i believe protects you from those like pitfalls and lava and stuff like that uh, pretty cool. I, I like the idea, and you'll earn some of these through going through levels and finding secrets, or sometimes you will buy them from uh, the shops, which is a good idea as well. You use like these purple coins, kind of reminiscent of Mario Odyssey. The new characters around, because there's not toads inside the shops, there's poplins, um, who are kind of like these buds. <laughs> they have instead of having a mushroom cap, they have like a, a flower that hasn't bloomed yet, like a bud on their head. Kind of kind of fun, I guess. 
here's the things get a little bit weird. <laughs> um, Four-player local multiplayer works exactly the way you think it would. Four people connect their controllers, uh, and you go through the level with each other. Instead of turn when you get when you get hurt enough to go into like a you know the remember you used to go into like a bubble back in the new Super Mario Bros. Um, well, this time you actually turn into a ghost. Your character turns into a little ghost, and when when uh, another player hits you, uh, then you come back and start playing again. But here is actually where it gets weird. Online play is a little bit different, uh, maybe a lot different. Honestly, it's not really straight straightforward like you would expect it to be, um, because you don't actually play with other people in your world per se. Even though there's a way to make a room and play with other people, do races against friends and stuff like that, they're ghosts in your world. So essentially, they're just playing on their world, and their ghost is playing in your world. So there's not really a real cooperative multiplayer online experience. Other things you can do is if you turn on online mode, you can actually see other people's what they're doing. At, I guess at, maybe at the same time, or maybe through saves like ghost trials and stuff like that. The, um, you can see what they did in the level, and if you uh, you can actually help people as well. You can put these little standees, so if someone dies in a difficult area, they can just use their ghost and pop themselves on the standee. And they showed off how you know the more you help people by putting helpful messages or putting these standees around, um, you'll uh, you'll get these like heart credits or something like that. Kind of weird. And then at the end of the whole thing, uh, they showed off the Mar the new Mario Red Edition Switch. <clears throat> so this one is a bit of a deeper red than the other Mario Switch that came out. Uh, and it also has a, a few little secrets hidden on the back of it. So since this is, this, this is actually the first OLED Mario color uh, Switch, the other one was a regular model. On the back is a little picture of Mario jumping. And then if you open the back case of the Switch dock, it actually is it's black on the inside and there's some coins for him to collect. Now, I don't know who is going to actually see this because most of the time, you know, your console is against the wall or something like that. <clears throat> but, you know, kind of a cute little touch there. I mean, I'm definitely not going to get it, but I'm sure there might be a couple people out there who are interested in that. I think that's everything. I, I hope I didn't miss anything. <clears throat> um, if I did, you know, just watch the direct. It's pretty straightforward. It's not too difficult to understand what's going on. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it, 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 it's very interesting. It's looking pretty good. Is it a complete 180? You know, is, is it, is it going to be... Uh, here's I guess here's the big question is, is this going to be like the other Mario Bros. 2D games? And I mean... I would say, yes, it's probably going to be pretty similar, but also there's much more flair to this game. You know, uh, the other Mario Bros. games, <clears throat> they kind of started to stagnate after new Super Mario Bros. And this definitely has a new, uh, a different flair to it. It's got better graphics. I think the backgrounds look a lot better. Some of the foregrounds also look really good as well. There's a lot of fun uh, stuff going on in here. Um I also like, you know, I like I like the Wonder Flower. I think that's going to be a huge like selling point for the game. Obviously, Wonder is the name of the of the game, so it's obviously it's a big selling point. But that's like a huge thing that's probably going to be really fun to mess around with. See how all, you know all the levels get transformed with these Wonder Flowers. And there's a there's a bunch of good stuff in here. They're obviously taking some inspiration from other Mario games, um, which is fine, you know. And I just, I, I, you know, I hope that we don't get, like, you know, bi-yearly releases of Mario Bros. games again. I, I was really starting to, like, really stagnate there for a while. 
And I think if they if they keep Super Mario Bros. the series as like a once in a while kind of series, I think that'll work a lot better for uh, for this 2D plane because you know Nintendo said in the past that you know they only put out a game when they have a new idea. And this is definitely a new idea. This is something completely new. So uh, you understand why they released this, you know, or why they were developing this. Because they had an idea for this Wonder Flower. They wanted to make a silly and crazy transforming kind of world. And they set out and they it, it appears that they did that. And I'm very interested in getting my hands on it. It's releasing the same day as Spider-Man 2. So that's going to be pretty crazy. I mean, October is going to be crazy in general. I mean, even September so far has been kind of... Um, I mean, maybe not, I mean, if we're, we're just getting into September, but I think September is also going to be a little bit busier than people expect, but, um, yeah, October is definitely, uh, it's going to be fun. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> it's also going to be a crazy, crazy month. So, um, that's the Mario Bros. Wonder Direct it was pretty good. I'm not going to give it a grade since it was just one game, but I, I think they gave a good amount of information in there and I liked what I saw. So then that, what more can you want? <laughs> I guess actual online multiplayer co-op, but yeah, that's besides the point. That's besides the point. All right, let's move on to the next part of the show, which is what have I been playing this past week? If you don't recall, uh, I did not get Armored Core 6 last week because... We had a tornado in my area. The power went out at the Best Buy that I usually go to. So I switched over the game to shipping because they said it was going to take a while to repair their electricity. And they wouldn't be able to give out any product during that time because they need the system working, of course. Uh, So I got it. um, I got it like Tuesday or was it Wednesday? No, it was Tuesday. It was Tuesday of last week. And I was very excited. You know, there's not many games that I get, like, this excited for. I guess in October there's a few games that I'm, like, really excited for. And one of them being Spider-Man, obviously. But, you know, I haven't been, like, this excited to play, like, an Armored Core game in a while. Or just a game like this in a while. You know, when, when Armored Core 5 came out, I was in high school. I was playing with my friends. We were in, like, this clan together. I got the trophies for, like... Well, I guess achievements. I was playing on Xbox 360. I got those achievements for, like, your clan being, like, you know, top 100 in on, on the uh, online service and stuff like that. So you could say that I was pretty deep into it, you know. And, uh, you know, Armor Core 6 is coming around, and they, they showed it off last year. And, like, that was a really hype moment. It looked amazing. And the game finally came out, and I wasn't able to get my hands on it right away. So, obviously, I don't want spoilers or anything like that. But, you know, I was curious. You know, I watched uh, I watched Iron Pineapple's video on it, just kind of getting a brief overview of what to expect. I was watching some people play it online, on live stream, um, like Zero Lenny. Uh, even Antiskew was playing it a little bit. And once I got a taste of, or saw a taste of what was to come, I was very, very very excited and i i I, you know it's probably i mean obviously it's not one of the most hyped games of the year Uh, maybe it is for some people but for me going into this year i wasn't like super hyped where i was like oh yeah can't wait can't wait can't wait yes of course i was excited but not like super excited like i am for other games like spider-man stuff and i will stop bringing that up (laughs) from here on out um 
So when I finally started to see gameplay of this, that's when like I really got excited and I was really like checking my phone every so often to see how the tracking was coming along on my on the game. And it finally came and I was I I pushed into my PlayStation, I pulled out Remnant 2 and I threw it away. No. <laughs> I put it in its box. Uh, but I started playing Armor Core 6 and god damn <laughs> like holy shit is this such a fun game. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've played like a mech game where you have full customization. Not full, but a, a, a pretty good customization for your mech. And, you know, I used to, I mean, you know, this also harkens back to my love for Gundam back in the day when I was a kid. They they had Gundam playing on um, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, something like It was one of those, uh, WB, WB, because they, they had the four kids. And I watched a lot of Gundam back then and that's kind of what sparked my love for like these uh robot fights mech fights you know stuff like that and i remember having like the gundam game for gamecube <clears throat> i think donkey mentioned it in his video about armor core 6 and i was like hey i played that game i had that game <laughs> and and you know armored core 6 it's not it's not the same as armor core 5 i mean it's very similar to armor core 5 but the levels are they can be a bit short. Like, there's some levels that seem to go on for quite uh, quite a while, which usually are the ones that have, like, multiple things happening in them. You start off and you're dodging a giant laser beam, and then you move to the next part, and there's, like, a mini boss. And then you move to the next part, and they resupply you, and then they give you a full boss. That's kind of how some of the longer levels go. You know, they have, some, they have like, a gimmick at the beginning where, like, you take out the guns, the big mounted guns that are defending a wall and then you go over the wall and you fight like a, a mini boss or maybe another mech they have like a mech versus mech fight and then you keep going and then you have the big bombastic boss fight at the end of the level with and they always they always give you a resupply point <clears throat> before the big boss fight and you know there's a big boss fight coming when the resupply drone comes in um and uh the other thing that i th that i'm pretty sure is different from armor core 5 is the fact that this game has a checkpoint system throughout the level so instead of getting to the end of a level and dying like in Ar Armor Core Five or failing and not being able to restart uh, from the from a checkpoint, um, now don't quote me on that. I could be wrong and my memory is a bit fuzzy, but I don't remember that happening. Uh, Armor Core Six gives you a pretty nice steady uh, st steady amount of checkpoints throughout the. Uh, throughout the levels. If it's a short level, you probably won't be getting a checkpoint. But if there's something major that happens or a shift or something, you go to a next er the next part of the area, you usually will see the checkpoint uh, pop up and say that you have a checkpoint, which is really nice because if you do get destroyed, which is going to happen, obviously it's going to happen throughout this game, the game is actually a bit difficult at times it definitely has some difficulty spikes in there um, especially early on when you're not really sure what you're doing or they don't give you a lot of customization because it's like the third level or whatever you know you don't get that big big amount of customization until probably around the end of the first chapter into the second chapter um, so you're going to be kind of you know messing around with things more so in that first chapter or you should be messing around with your mech more so in the first chapter than you probably will for you know chapter you know three to the end maybe possibly it depends on how you play the game um but it's really nice that they give you these checkpoints because you can actually customize your mech with your bought parts in the it, before going back into battle so if you if you run across an enemy that's super fast and your tanky build is not is is too slow to dodge its attacks well, you die once, you go in there, you reconfigure your mech, and then boom, bada bing, you win the next round because you've 
you know, retooled your your systems to be faster. And that's what I think the that's that's really the beauty of Armor Core Six is the fact that it's all about changing your style up as you go through the game. Um, and I, I, you know, I hate to bring up the the comparison because really other FromSoft games aren't like are the Armor Core series. Uh, but just kind of as a basic comparison, like you play, you know, a, a normal person or you know, I'm sure 99% of people who played Elden Ring, they started their build early on and you stick with that build. You use kind of like similar weapons, uh, you level up the, the same stats so that you can build the class that you want to build. And it works for those games because that's the whole, that's the basis of those games. You know, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro, Elden Ring, they all... They all have you. You always you. you it, it's obviously preferred to a preferred way to to play to set your sights on a class build and build that class. In Armored Core Six, you can make a really fast build. You can make a build that can hover for out you know for a while, and as and you can make a tank build, and you can put all these different weapons on your body, and you can do all that you want, and still you will run into enemies or uh, more more so bosses. You will run into bosses who will give you a hard time no matter what class setup you have, so you have to tinker with and retool what you're doing. As a good example, one of the early boss fights in the game, hey, the guy uses a shield a lot, and I was like, you know, it works really good against shield? Energy weapons. So I, for the first time ever, in uh, I, I believe in the Armor Core series that I've played, I pulled out the plasma uh, gun. I don't, I don't remember what exactly it's called. And I used that, and I and the next time that I, w- I I had to still redo it one more, but like two times later, I got it. I got the boss fight, and it was a really stressful boss fight. It was a pretty difficult boss fight, all things considered. And it just felt so satisfying to retool my mech and just get it done, you know, with with this new setup. And of course, I changed back some of my stuff or most of my stuff on the next level. Um, but that's just the beauty of Armor Core. They don't they don't charge you to reconfigure your mech during a mission. The only thing they charge you for is ammo consumption and repair costs at the end of a mission. That's the only thing that's taken away from from your money at the end. And you get like hundreds of thousands of, of dollars or whatever, Rubicomian coins or whatever throughout the missions. So you can go back and replay missions that give you like a hundred thousand coins. You could of course grind that a little bit if you so desire and then buy anything that you want from the store. It's it's a very open and free experience. You don't have to you don't have to bang your head against a wall fighting a boss with your build if you don't want to. I mean there's a lot of people out there who are complaining that the game is too hard or too easy. There's there's a big there's like a huge like spectrum here where like there's a huge there's a hill on the it's too easy camp and then there's a big dip and then it goes up again and it's like oh and now the game you know people are saying the game is too hard there's two separate points here me i rest in the middle of that of that divot where i say yes sometimes it's 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 easy and you can get through a level in one go and sometimes it's difficult and you get stuck on a boss for like 30 minutes to an hour i know there's some people who have gone to the extreme i saw on twitter someone was like i was going against the chapter one boss for three hours and i finally got it you know and i was so happy but this game is so difficult it's like okay but like what's your mech configuration (laughs) because 
there's so many people out there who just they're stuck in their ways. They know from soft games, and obviously Armor Core Six is getting a bit of a boost from you know Elden Ring being so good last year, right? So people go, oh, this is another FromSoft game. I want to try that out. So I think that's boosting the sales. And these people who normally play Souls games who have not played an Armor Core game will go, oh. I'm making my class this, and they won't deviate from that class. No matter how many times they get smashed against the wall and blown to bits, they will keep trying with that class, which is admirable. Don't get me wrong, but it's also stupid. The other end of the spectrum is the people who they go online, and they go, oh, the best setup in the game is tank body with heavy with with the most health and um, double miniguns and... Um, uh, the two of the uh, giant energy laser cannons on your back. That's that's what you want to go for, and you'll get through everything in one go. And it's like, okay, slow slow your roll. One, no, that's not going to work for every single boss, as I've, I have found out myself, because I did have a tankier build leading up to the one boss I was talking about that was that I was too slow for. So I changed, like, I was, I was, I, 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 I was, I was like five tries into that boss fight, and I'm like, damn, I gotta re, I gotta retool my class. But someone else who doesn't know how Armored Core works will go, oh, just, just use these guns, use this setup, and you're good to go. But you're not good to go. You're still going to have to retool things on your class constantly, your mech constantly as you go through it. I have not, I, I have, I, I mean, there's a couple times where, you know, I've gone a couple levels and then had to retool my, my mech a little bit. But I, I am pretty much constantly reconfiguring things, putting on some new weapons, seeing how they work. Uh, you know, obviously I have like the build that I like, <clears throat> which, you know, obviously there's a different build for everyone. Um, so don't just copy my build, but you, you can, if you want, but my build is on my right arm. I have a minigun, which is a good constant, consistent firing, uh, weapon that does good posture damage, which is the thing that I forgot totally about to mention here in this version of armor core. Uh, every enemy, it's kind of like Sekiro where you, you, sh you, you hit them enough or you shoot them enough and they will stagger and take double damage, um, which also can happen to you. So it's a double-edged sword there. Uh, but the minigun does great at building up that status effect, that, uh, that, um, you know, stagger effect, I should say. On my other arm, I have the laser sword. One of the first things they give you. It's really powerful. It's really good. Don't sleep on the laser sword, especially when you get an enemy down to that point where they are getting, they're going to be staggered. This because the, the laser sword does so much damage just in a normal hit. It's it, it's so good. Um, so if you're struggling on any of the boss fights, you know, try try the energy sword. You know, it might it might work out for you with a faster build. Uh, on my right shoulder, I have the eight pot uh, the eight eight pod rocket launcher which shoots uh rockets straight up into the air then they come down on the enemy um it's just relatively good in general and the other side i have a uh, a grenade launcher that fires twice um which is also really good it does really good stagger damage it also does really good base damage it's slow though it, it leaves you open so that's i, I use it kind of sparingly but that's kind of my build. I'm using the quad legs right now with like a heavy body, um, but I have been switching between the quad legs and uh, and the um, um, just like a normal armored pair of legs that that help me go faster, pretty much. And you know, the nice thing about the game too is like, yeah, you go and you buy your parts. But if you don't like something, or if you don't want something anymore, or if you need a little bit of extra cash, you can sell all your parts back for exactly the same amount of money that you bought them for. So don't worry about like spending a 
a, a ton of money on stuff you that you don't know if you're gonna like because literally you can go back to the shop sell all those stuff back for the same price and buy other things it's a beautiful system it really it, it just I love how it allows you to customize to your liking no matter what. If you choose the wrong item, sell it back for the same amount of money you bought it for and try something different. It's a great system. And, you know, to the people who don't want to, like, you know, change their builds up, they're missing out on, like, an entire part of this game where it's, like, part of the part, most of the fun of this game is changing things around and finding a build that works for you for most situations and then tweaking it as you go. That is the most fun. Uh, this is the most fun I've had with an Armor Core game in my life, and I've played two of them. I, or I could, technically three, because there was like a, a standalone expansion for Armor Core 5, but I played four, five, and the standalone, and now six. So this is the fourth game in the, in the series that I played, and this is definitely the most fun that I've been having with the series in terms of maneuverability with your mech, customization, um, and I think the level design is pretty good. You know, it, it is a little, some levels are really short and a lot of levels consist of like the enemies that you can like one hit KO almost, you know, of course they take a bit of damage, but there's, there's a good amount of, there's a good amount of cannon fodder enemies in this game. But I mean, what game from, from software, uh, don't have a couple of enemies or a bunch of enemies that are really easy to kill. You know, I, I, I do think back to Elden Ring and you think back and you go, oh yeah, all those like soldier of Godric characters, they're all super easy to fight. There's a bunch of weak enemies in those games just as cannon fodder to get you experience and, and allow you to learn how the game works. There is a mosquito. I got it. Oh, great. Stupid, stupid, stupid bug. You made me lose my concentration. Uh, but yeah, there's always a bunch of like little cannon fodder enemies for you to fight in the Souls games from 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 from, from software. <laughs> which is an odd thing to say. Um, so I don't know I don't know where that criticism comes from our, for Armor Core 6 because those enemies are literally there to, uh, you know, obviously get in the way. They're, I don't think any of the small enemies are ever going to kill someone unless they're just not paying attention, you know? Um, so, like, those little enemies, they're just there to, like, just have a little bit of fun. You're shooting something, it explodes, you know? <laughs> I mean, obviously there's harder enemies in there who who appear later in the game. And, you know, you have those mech v versus mech fights, which are super, like, super crazy. Like, they're they're always flying around you. They have all these weird configurations. And then, of course, the boss bosses are, like, larger than life, like, super crazy bosses. Um, there's one boss early on that's, like, a he has, like, a big, like, sheet, like, metal plate it's like a big tankish type thing that has a metal plate for a face, you would say. And it's just launching like missiles and everything at you. And the weak point is actually above it. So you, if you hover above him and shoot down, then you get like good stagger damage and you actually, yeah, it'll actually take damage. There was another one later on that was like this big furnace type thing that had like a funnel in the back that was a weak point. And then it also had like these like razor blade claws that were coming out. Like it was crazy. It was really cool. But, you know, just, and, and it's the same thing as, as any Souls game or other From Software game where it's like, yeah, the bosses are obviously, obviously going to be the coolest part of the game. Like, even though there's a lot of fun enemies to fight in those games, the real thing that you remember from any Souls game is going to be the boss fights. I think everyone remembers fighting the Asylum Demon in Dark Souls 1. I think most people remember fighting uh, the uh, uh, Index Grindia from Dark Souls 3, Bloodborne, Father Gascon, 
Sekiro. I mean, I mean, put any Sekiro boss here. <laughs> the ogre. I think the ogre is pretty, pretty, pretty popular one. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 so anyone who like the people who are criticizing this game for like oh too easy of enemies for the most part or oh you know the boss fights are. Yeah, anything. I just, I just don't agree. I just don't agree. I think that comparing Armored Core to a Souls game is also a pretty weak comparison for critis, like for critical analysis. I would not compare Armored Core to a Souls game or another From Software game that's not Armored Core, right? My basis for my love for this game comes from Armored Core, not from Elden Ring, not from Dark Souls 3, not from Bloodborne, not from etc. It comes from the other Armored Core games because this plays very similarly, a bit faster and a bit more to, you know, a bit more gusto than the other Armored Core games, but it's there and it works and it's great. And I really enjoy it. Is this game going to be for everyone? No, obviously not. I mean, you know, there's a lot of people who are probably going to pick up this game, try to fight the the first boss fight in the prologue and they're going to get so pissed that they uninstall and, and go to the store and, and want a refund. That's just how it goes with most games that are, that have a bit of a difficulty curve to them. Um, but I promise you, if you stick out past that prologue mission with the decently difficult boss fight for a early boss fight, you're going to have a great time. And if you're willing to do that, and and work your way through this game. I think you're going to have a really pleasant experience. And so far, I I mean, look, I I mean, you know, I, I I hear all these horror stories about people being stuck on bosses for hours on end and doing hundreds of of tries. And I I mean, I this is not to like shit on anyone, but the most times that I had to restart a boss fight was like 15, and that was during like chapter three. Every other time, even the end of chapter one boss, like it took me about five attempts to do that one after retooling things. Uh, a bunch of the bosses I got done in one or two goes because I know how Armored Core works. And I know that w when I die the first time, I know to retool my character and to put more, you know, I know the, you know, I I've seen the boss and I know what they're doing. If I need to be faster, I change my mech. If I need more firepower, I change my my mech. If I need to have more hover ability, I change my mech. If I need to have, if, if the enemy is using shields, I change my mech. If, you know, if the, if the boss is, is more susceptible to aerial attacks, I change up my mech. And that's the thing that I want to ingrain in anyone listening right now that is interested in this game. Don't be afraid to change your mech. That is how you will get through this game easier than the people who are stuck on the first boss for an hour or two. Okay? <laughs> don't be a don't be stagnant. Change things up because that is how you get through these games. And I know that from experience and I'm spreading that experience and wisdom to you, the person listening to this right now. If you stay with the same build throughout your entire playthrough, you're probably not going to have a good time because there's some bosses who are geared towards certain things. And if you choose a slow tank build, you'll get wrecked. If you choose a fast build that, that hits fast you're probably gonna get wrecked eventually there's just there's there's it's just it just frustrates me a lot seeing some people talking about this game and just not understanding how armored core works and they play it like a souls game and that's my main that's my main frustration right now so hopefully as people play the game try it out they learn to change up their mech change up their build don't just stay in the same build because one you're probably going to get frustrated and beat your head against the wall against the boss eventually. 
And two, it's just way more fun to change things up every so often. You know, I, I, I that's that's all I got to say about that, really. Oh, a three, three, it's just damn cool to use different weapons, too. Like, you, you constantly are getting new weapons and new things to mod your, your build with. You know, um, each, each, each mech has a weight limit and a battery limit, I'll call it. It's not exactly called uh, battery, but it's 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 kind of it's essentially how much battery power the the mech has. Um, so those two things are the main factors there. So as long as you don't over encumber yourself, and as long as you keep your energy to a sustainable amount, you should be good. Uh, I've been kind of pushing towards um, quick recovery times. I I find myself taking missile salvos to the face and, and getting staggered, which is not good, especially in the one v one mech fights in the in the arena. Um, so I've been kind of building towards a, a, a less stagger, a little bit quicker in the in the uh, dodge category. Um, I've talked about this game for a little while, and I feel like I really haven't said much about it in general. Um, but just know that it's been a really fun time so far. Definitely would recommend it. Um, if you're not a fan of games that can be a bit difficult at times, maybe steer away from it. Obviously, it's not going to be for everyone, um, but this one is definitely uh, more accessible than most of the other Armored Core games in the series that at least I have played. Um, so if you're afraid of the customization, if you're afraid of, of the controls, if you're afraid of whatever, this one is definitely more user-friendly uh, to people who maybe haven't played it. And I think they did that on purpose because of the fact that you know, from software has been really big recently. They've they put out banger after banger at this point, and this is another banger in the long line of bangers. But it's not exactly the same as the other bangers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so there, that's Armored Core Six. Two thumbs up there. Next up, uh, Goodbye Volcano High. This is the um, kind of interactive story. Uh, about the dinosaurs in high school who you know discover that the meteor is coming to Earth and everything's going to be destroyed. Possibly, maybe you know, it's one of those things that you know is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? That's the main, I guess, pool of the of the game. Uh, so far, it's it's been fine. I, I, the, the the weird thing is like I'm about to I'm about to talk about the performance issues with this game because for a game that's like so i mean it's it's kind of basic in terms of like okay you don't have any control over your character there's some rhythm game sections in this game so it's like there's some stuff in there uh, but for the most part you know it's it's very idle um character animations their faces mostly do the movement everything else is just kind of stagnant on the character and you would think that there would not be as many technical issues as i've been having with this game which is really insane to me um scenes where the characters mouths don't move scenes where the characters are like fuzzy for some reason <laughs> uh scenes where like the characters move around like they're like there's a lot of smooth animation in this game and then all of a sudden they'll be moving around like they got 10 frames per second on them it's it's so weird um but besides that, I think the game's fine. The story's been okay so far. The music's been pretty good. I do like the music in the game. And when you're doing those rhythm sections, it I mean, it's pretty it's pretty fun, you know? Um, I say you know a lot. I've been trying to stop, but it's, it's a part of my vocabulary now for some reason. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, so there's these parts where like you're playing the the Fang is the lead character that you're playing as is is playing a song, and it's it's a weird mix of like quick time events and just kind of like Guitar Hero type stuff. 
So you have the th you have three directions on your joystick, and you move the joystick towards wherever direction the 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 notes are coming from. And that's pretty that's that's pretty basic. So you just move that around. That's your base stuff right there. And then sometimes circles will appear, and it'll show you what button to press, and you have to press them at the right time. You know, not too bad, kind of like a QTE. And then there are also times when you have to press it down on both the right and the left control stick in order to do something. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of the things that they've mixed in there. Uh, I have had it once where, like, you have to press down on the controls on the joysticks, and then there was also, like, down f or up for uh, <laughs> for the notes. So I missed a couple notes because I was pressing down for the, for the, the prompt. And I'm like, well, how am I supposed to do this, you know? <laughs> like... Um, so far, I mean, the voice acting is fine. I mean, I think the game is just kind of fine in general. And uh, the main draw of this game is obviously the anthropomorphic animals. I think that's the main gist of it because this story could work pretty much with any species. Like, it could be humans. It could be dinosaurs. It could be anthropomorphic lions. I don't care. Like, the story is pretty cookie-cutter, all things considered. The only things that really make it stand out is when they mention, like, Pangea and they mention... Uh, um, I don't know, other, like, prehistoric-type wording for things. That's really the only thing. You know, everything else is, is interchangeable. It could be any, It could be great globs of goop talking, and the story would not change at all. You just have to take out a few references or whatever. And to me, that just kind of, like, takes away from the experience because it's like, oh, why even make them dinosaurs, then, if they're just going to be talking like normal teenagers or characters in a video game you know that are portraying teenagers like it doesn't make much sense all things considered like i think that it's just it's just it's more of a distraction to have these dinosaurs talking on screen um because like yeah i mean you know even though the character designs are fine it's just it's just kind of weird in a way you know <laughs> So, uh, you know, you also like when the, when a character is facing front on, it's also kind of weird. <laughs> like they, they have like this goofy smile looking thing because I don't know, maybe they just, I don't know. I, the perspective is, is, is difficult on these characters because like when they're, when they're facing sideways or from behind, it's great be, or it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's good. You know, the characters look good, but if you're looking at them straight on, it just, it's so weird. Um, and it happens pretty often in the game. Like, I, I feel like if I was designing this game and I knew that, like, the front-facing characters didn't look right, I would do my best to never have the characters looking f straight on, no matter how weird it would be uh, perspective-wise. Because seeing the characters from the front and how their faces look, just look up a screenshot if you have to. It's just, it's very, it's it's weird. It's just, it's kind of weird. So that's 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 another criticism for the game, I suppose. Um, I, I right now I think I'm on chapter three out of seven, so I'm, I'm getting somewhere. A lot of the game is really just listening to dialogue. There's some sections where you play music, which are kind of few and far in between. There's some sections where you have a lot of choice in the matter on what the what your character's saying, which is which is great. You know that's kind of how these games are supposed to be. And then there's other conversations that you have that just kind of play out. And they don't allow you to, like, choose anything. And I'm just like, okay. I, you know, I start... You know, I'm not skipping dialogue. I'm reading the dialogue and then skipping because the characters, you know, obviously they're a little bit more long-winded with the performances. But it, uh, there's a point where it's like, okay, we're just kind of, like, talking in circles. Or, okay, we're, this isn't really relevant information that we're getting right now. And why don't I have any choice in what my character is saying? 
It's supposed to be like a you know a, a pick your own choose your own adventure narrative adventure with relationships with these characters that can change depending on what you do and so far I really haven't seen that in the game and I'm I'm in chapter three and I feel like I should be like seeing how things are possibly different because I chose this over that you know it's just right now it's just it's really been a lot of little things here and there. Uh, it's, 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 it's been minimal gameplay. You know, I, I talked about Fort Solus last week and, you know, that game, you, you kind of walk around for, you know, a couple hours and then the game ends. And, and, you know, obviously this is a, a completely different beast. Um, but you know, in terms of like gameplay wise, like at least goodbye Volcano High has some interesting things going on that, you know, that Fort Solus doesn't. Uh, but it is kind of on that same level where it's like there's times where I'm just sitting here with my controller in my hand waiting to pick an option, and it never happens, and then the scene changes. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> Why would you do that? So in the end, I mean, I can't really super recommend Goodbye Volcano High. I mean, if you like narrative adventures that you don't have a lot of input in, this is probably going to be a good one for you. Uh, if you If you like the anthropomorphic dinosaur characters... Sure, they're nice to look at, you know. I, I I mean, I don't mind the character designs at all. I think the character designs are, are nice. I think they should have removed the, the tails from most of them. And just to, Because the clothes, like, that's the other thing, too. Like, there's so many things that are just, like, humanized. And I understand anthropomorphic characters. They're humanoid characters, right? But, like, you know, having the tail and the pants or having wings and a shirt, that it, they didn't design these characters' clothings around how a... Uh, a pterodactyl's body might be if they are if they were a human. You know, you you would think that they would have like big you know, uh, something for the wings. You know, you you feel like because as it stands, like the the clothing just kind of like goes around the wing. It's like how do you take this on and off? You know, same thing with the pants. Like the the tail is just sitting there, and you see like the belt, and you see like the the seams. And nothing makes sense on these character designs. It's like if, if you're gonna make a character, if you're gonna design a, a game around a certain type of character, this one being dinosaurs, maybe you should make things more dinosaur related. Obviously, yes, they're anthropomorphic. I understand that, but the fact remains that if the character has wings, they shouldn't be wearing normal clothing that has no way to get their wings out of the fucking shirt. It's annoying to me. I don't know why it's so annoying, but it's just annoying. It takes me out of the experience a little bit. I'm not going to lie. So, yeah, so far it's just kind of been like, okay. I mean, was I excited for this game? Not really. I mean, I, I got it because it looked interesting. It's It's got a nice art style to it. The character designs are good, all things considered. It's just there's some things that I'm just, like, really annoyed with. One of them is being those performance issues that I talked about, which shouldn't be happening in a game like this. I mean, this game is way too, quote-unquote, basic to have performance issues like this game does. It's kind of disappointing in that aspect. Another thing is, like, yeah, like, you know, make this world designed more so around the characters that you made for the game. You know, have their clothes be special to the type of dinosaur they are. Have, like, the school have different things that are related to these dinosaurs. Have, like, have some, like, this game is pretty much, like, like I said before, you could literally swap out these characters for regular human characters and nothing would really change. It could be a story about a meteor coming down to Earth 
Earth, and it's going to wipe out all life. And you're trying to live the rest of your the rest of the days to the, to the fullest. You could have humans in there. You could have dogs in there. You can have green goop people in there. It wouldn't change the story whatsoever. If you're going to have anthropomorphic dinosaurs in a game, that's the selling point of the game. You need to do more with this concept because as it stands. It's not it's it's not that special when I can just close my eyes and be like, oh, it's a human, <laughs> you know. Oh, the guy's playing drums with his big raptor feet. Yeah, okay. Oh, the 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 fucking wings are it, it somehow s- through this shirt. Okay, <laughs> like it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I I would definitely wait for a sale on this one if you haven't gotten it already. Um. Like I said before, for a narrative-based adventure, it's not wholly bad. It's just it's just kind of fine. It's just kind of average right now. I think my criticisms more come from like a, a personal place where I'm annoyed by them, but maybe someone else wouldn't be annoyed by them. So I don't know. Maybe maybe check out some other reviews before giving a final judgment. But that is my judgment so far. I sound crazy to someone who maybe doesn't even know what I'm talking about. What's he saying about fucking tales? <laughs> All right, another game that I played this past week was Under the Waves. Um, this was revealed during the Game Awards, I'm pretty sure, uh, last year. Uh, this is a game where you are a dude who goes underwater in like a semi-futuristic sci-fi setting. Um, so you're living underwater, and you're doing research underwater, and you have like this little submarine craft that you need to be- take care of. It's a chill game. Um, it's kind of slow, all things considered. But yeah, obviously, you're underwater, you know, whatever. I think the voice acting has been pretty good so far. I've been enjoying the story beats. Uh, obviously, there's it's hinting at something more going on, but I don't really know what it is yet because yeah, I haven't really gotten too far in the game. Uh, unfortunately, any time that I've been I've had to play games, it's mostly been Armored Core or Goodbye Volcano High at this point because I I've been trying to get through some of the shorter games before October comes around. Um. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a it's an interesting adventure. I think the the soundtrack is great. I think the underwater vibes are really good. I mean we don't really see games like this too often where the the entire game is set underwater. You know you got Subnautica, you got Soma, um, and I know you I know there's another submarine ish game coming around soon as well. But we really don't see too many games that are like. You're underwater, and you're adventuring underwater. You're gathering resources underwater and crafting things, and you're fixing problems, and you're exploring uh, sunken wrecks and stuff like that. You don't get to, you don't get that too often. So in general, I think this is a pretty unique experience um, that you might not see anywhere else, um, rather than like other than like Subnautica, I guess, as I said before. Um, but this is a very real kind of game where it's like, oh, I could I could see this, you know, happening in a couple, you know, in, a, in a how many years, you know, people living underwater and. And doing stuff, you know, research and stuff underwater, fully underwater. I think it's a pretty cool concept. And I like the idea. I like the visuals. Uh, the one thing that's really been irking me is, like, the, the facial animations of the characters are really weird. Um, so, you, you, I'm not sure if you've seen this video before. But there's a video of Resident Evil 2 with, like, uh, with like 200% facial animations or something like that. And it's just kind of, uh, it's just kind of insane. You know, the characters are super emoting. And that's kind of how the this game is baseline. The facial animations are kind of like super crazy. Like their mouth is moving in in weird ways. Their eyes are like all cracked out. I don't know how else to describe it. 
you don't see your character's face too often, but when there's a cutscene or when you turn your camera when your when your character is talking, it's just it's just, it's a little bit off-putting. I will give it that. Um, so under the waves, I don't have too much to say about it right now because I'm I'm still pretty early on, but so far it's been a it's been a chill time. Not not too bad. I've been enjoying myself enough to kind of be like, yeah, you know, I give it like a thumbs up so far. I am interested in playing more though, uh, but uh, I probably probably get back to this game this this coming week. You know, um, I'll try and finish up uh, some other games, and hopefully, Under the Waves will be next on my list, which probably will be to finish up. Speaking of games, I finished up Bomb Rush Cyber Funk. Ended up beating that this game on. Friday, I think, and yeah, it's a it's a really like I've I've talked about it in depth. Um, I think two episodes ago now, and I I really enjoyed it. I think all the way up until the end, it was it was really good. Uh, like like I I said this before, and I'll say it again. Like I was not a fan of Jet Set Radio, but I really enjoyed this game. This one just clicked with me. I don't know why. I don't know how. I just know that the Bomber Cyberfunk clicked with me and. It might click for you too if if you didn't like Jet Set Radio. Uh, I know that Jet Set Radio is a classic. You know, um, I uh, I'm not I'm not blind to that. I I know that people love Jet Set Radio, but I just when I tried to play it back, I'm maybe a couple of years ago at this point. I just wasn't really vibing with. It. I didn't I didn't really like the way that the game controlled, and I wasn't like super crazy on on what was happening. Um, I love the visual style and the soundtrack, but yeah, I wasn't really into anything else. And and Bomber Sucker Funk pretty much fixes everything that I had a problem with with Jet Set Radio right off the bat. More options for controls, better characters, um, really cool graphics still, and great soundtracks. A more interesting and compelling story, um, dance moves, <laughs> a fast travel system, uh, an open world one. Um, you know, tons of graffiti to do and, and secrets to find. Really well planned out and thought out levels. They definitely amp up as you go through it. And there's some side areas that you can find as well that are off the beaten path. So it's not like the, the only places you'll go to are in the story, which is cool. I like that idea. And, uh, yeah, I definitely give it two thumbs up. And I definitely recommend this one if you want, like, a super cool, um, inspired by the Sega... Saturn is or uh, was it the Genesis? Uh, it's not the Saturn. Uh, Jet Set Radio. Um, Dreamcast. Oh my gosh, I had a mind fart there. Um, yeah, it has vibes of that, but it's obviously an updated game, and it just it feels really good, and I really enjoyed it. I love how. You can choose between the rollerblades, the skateboard, the bicycle. There's a bunch of different characters you can use as well that kind of change things up too. Lots of fun secrets and stuff. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to keep playing it and get the and, and try and get as much stuff as I can before um, I, get, I, I move on to other things. But uh, yeah, it's a great game. Definitely recommend this one. And finally, for like games that we've finished on stream, uh, I finally finished God Hand. Um, it's a wacky and crazy game. It's pretty good, but it's also like not like my favorite thing ever. I, I know that it's a bit of a cult classic, which is one of the reasons why I tried it out in the first place. Was it was getting lots of praise, 
there was a YouTube video that I watched that was that that a guy mentioned it and kind of went through it, and I was like, ah, oh, that does sound pretty cool. I looked at the physical prices for PS2, the pre- PS2 disc, and I was like, whoa. So uh, I downloaded it on PS3 with the Classics Collection because you could still do that on PlayStation 3, which is great. Uh, so I did that. And, I mean, yeah, it's a third-person, like, outrageous beat-em-up. Um, it just, it's, just, it's, it's just off the wall in every single way. The, the places you go to, the enemies you face, the bosses you face, it's all off-the-wall stuff. Highly exaggerated um, characters. Uh, definitely sometimes gets a bit too, uh, I don't know, gets a bit too far with some of the caricatures that they have. Like, there's plenty of characters who are out, like, they're just overly homosexual, and they're just like, you know, it's, it's like a caricature of a gay man, where they're just, like, super flamboyant, they're wearing, like, hardly any clothing, they're, like, doing a bunch of sexual stuff, and it's like, okay, all right, come on. You know, let's have a bit more respect. Or, like, yeah, I mean, uh, especially, like, the, the female characters in this game even like the basic enemy enemy female characters like you know they're very skimpy they got the boob physics going on for for uh one move that you do you spank them (laughs) and it's just a little bit it's a little bit misogynistic at times which makes it hard to truly full-on love this game obviously it's a game of its time i don't know if like that really matters in this day and age but it definitely it definitely encapsulates like that uh early 2000s kind of gaming culture um and and and, you know obviously the game is still pretty fun and it it controls pretty well and i like the customization you have with your move set and stuff like that um and there's a there's a good amount of like fun boss fights in here too but there's also like a bunch of stuff that 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 really was getting on my nerves the camera was a big one the auto lock on for uh, for for whoever you were fighting was a big one um there's just there's a couple there's a couple really difficult difficulty spikes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the game um so in the end i ended up uh giving a c tier because it's just like you know i think it's i mean there's there's something here to be said about you know this game it definitely is um cool i mean at times it's it definitely a really unique experience you're not going to have this experience anywhere else maybe you know it's, it's it's on the same level as like a lollipop chainsaw where it's like it's something crazy it's out there it's out there you're probably not going to see another game like this. And that's kind of where God Hand is. It's a game that you probably won't see again. Or if there is a game, it's it's just not going to be the same way as what God Hand is. And there's something to be said about that. Um, but for me personally, it was not a fully enjoyable experience, even though I did enjoy it for the most part. There's a lot of things I do have I am critical about. So C tier is where it's going to comfortably sit all right, let's go ahead and move on to the news. What's in the news? All right, all right, all right. The PlayStation Plus program is getting a bit of a price hike, and it really is annoying. Pretty much all the tiers have been upped by about $20, which is crazy, especially if you're using that premium tier. Um, so, oh, man. The PlayStation Plus Essential tier, it, it was like $60, and now it's $80. The uh, tier above that, which is the, um, what is that, premium? Whatever the one is above that, you were paying about $80. Now it's like 100 And the one that was above that, which was like the super premium, uh, that is now like, what, 150 or something like that? I mean, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, yes, it's a yearly cost. 
But the essentials, I mean, the essentials tier, I mean, you get the bare bones stuff here. You get you get the online play, which should be free. Fuck Xbox for having people pay for Xbox Live. That totally fucked everything up. I'm already paying for internet. Now I need to pay to access the online mode for my games. Fuck that. It's been a point of contention for quite some time in my mind. Uh, and then you get three free games a month, which is great. You know, obviously most of the games you get are at least worth it. You know, the play. Um, but that's all you get. I mean, why are they raising the price on the essentials tier? It doesn't make any sense. You know? <laughs> I said it again. And then, you know, the extra tier is, you know, obviously it has a lot of games to choose from. And you are getting some new games right at the bat, which is cool. But, I mean, you don't need the, you know, you don't need to raise that. And then the premium tier, which has all those classic games along with the essential uh, with with whatever is in, included in the extra tier i mean it's 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 a lot of games but it's it's just it's just such a high price tag you know it's just it's so high. i mean yeah you get some you get some game uh you know hour long demos or whatever you get some you get some special stuff in those tiers but it's not enough especially in my mind especially with how much premium already was and it really wasn't that big of a deal especially when you can just buy the games that come out for like 10 bucks a pop you can get the ones that you actually want to play in the classics catalog like come on so yeah it's just it's just it's kind of annoying you know this this uh, this is just one of those things that's like damn they're really milking milking their subscriber base i mean i i i i, I am juggling with the idea of just not paying for playstation plus at this point but like i still want to play with people you know i i still want to play games with greedy waffles like, I'm not going to get rid of it. I mean, and that's kind of how they have you to buy the balls. Unless you're a solo player who doesn't play multiplayer at all, you're going to have to get at least the Essentials tier, which is now, a, a, I mean, it's it's it, it costs more than a regular game. Stupid. Absolutely stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed by that. I'm annoyed now. But what are you going to do? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, so Saints Row, the reboot, yeah, as you might, may or may not know, it was, it was kind of a flop. People didn't really like it. Uh, they redid, they, they, they put out a big update for the game, which changed a lot of, of the game around. And I think people kind of enjoyed that. Me personally, when I played the game last year, I was like, yeah, it's, it's fine. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what people are so pissed off about, but it's fine. But it wasn't anything, like, super special. It wasn't, like, Saints Row 3 tier. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I said it again. Um, but uh, the studio behind the Saints Row reboot and the Saints Row series in general, they also have a couple of other uh, games in their repertoire as well. They're closing down. Um, Voli Vo Volition is the name of the studio. And they said, the Volition team has proudly created world-class entertainment for fans around the globe for 30 years. We've been driven by passion for our community and always worked to deliver joy, surprise, and delight. This past June, Embracer Group announced a restructuring program to strengthen Embracer and maintain its position as a leader in the video game industry. As part of that program, they evaluated strategic and uh, operational goals and made the difficult decision to close Volition effective immediately. To help our team, we are working to provide job assistance and help smooth the transition for our Volition family members. We thank our customers and fans around the world for all the love and support over the years. You will always be in our hearts. Um, 
Yeah, so it's sad to see this team close down. I mean, especially after all the work they put into the Saints Row reboot. And I, I do, I do, I do think that they that uh, Embracer Group. I mean, they dated. I mean, after the after after Saints Row reboot bombed, I I, I definitely saw the writing on the wall that they were going to be closing that Volition or, or merging with another studio. Uh, but yeah, they are uh, they are outright just shuttering the studio, and I believe it was like an immediate closure too. So like that's even worse because like now, like everything that they're working on, just like okay, stop and delete, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Um, it's nice that that at least Embracer Group is offering them some alternative work. So, you know, there's that at least. But, uh, yeah, it's sad to see another development studio closed down. I mean, especially one with such a such a historic run of games. Um, you know, really one dud in in their repertoire and they get shut down. That That's pretty brutal. But what you going to do? Uh, also, the developer behind Shadow Gambit, which actually... I mean, that literally just released. Um, has a lot of high praises. It's from the same people who did uh, Des- Desperados 3 and stuff like that. Uh, the developer's name is Mimi Me. Uh, and they put out a statement on Twitter as well saying, Dictating the past decade and a half of our lives, working on increasingly ambitious games, took a heavy personal toll on us and our families. After the release of Shadow Gambit, we decided it was the right time to prioritize our well-being and to pull the brakes instead of sign up for another multi-year production cycle. So it sounds like they're taking a bit of a break, possibly, before they start another start up another game. But um, I mean, with how well Shadow Gambit is being reviewed and received, um, especially in the turn-based tactics community, I it's 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 sad to see that they uh, they are closing closing up shop for at least for now. Uh, they said that they're they're going to still support the game for the foreseeable future. There's already a patch in the works being uh, being worked on, along with a big content drop coming later in the year. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 upsetting that like the studio is just like shutting down after such a. Uh, I'm, I'm I mean I haven't played it myself, but to to most people reviewing this game, it it, it was a great release. Uh, I believe it's on Xbox Game Pass, so I guess you can try it out if you, if you want to you want to see what all the fuss is about but um yeah it's kind of sad to see and um i mean hopefully they, they take a break and get back to it because they've definitely been making some high quality games i remember desperados 3 being pretty well received as well so they, they definitely have a niche and i think that the if they shut down for good it's gonna be sad it's, a bit, it's gonna be a sad time final fantasy 16 had a bit of a press conference uh earlier uh I guess the day that I'm recording this earlier today, um, they they showed off a new uh, pat, uh, update that was coming to the game with some new character skins um, and some I guess uh, new weapons and appearances uh, and also I think a new quest or something like that in the free update as well and then they also revealed that there is going to be two DLCs made for the game which is pretty cool uh, and I believe the game. Is it on Steam yet? I think I think they announced that the game is coming to Steam. Well, let me let me double check that. Final Fantasy. Yes. So they they are bringing the game over to computer in the near future. I think it's going to be an Epic Game Store exclusive. I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, this is this is pretty rare that a Final Fantasy game is getting DLC. I know I know that Final Fantasy VII remake got the Intergrade DLC, which was pretty big, but. 
you know, I think that uh, this is like the first time like a mainline game is getting a major DLC or two, let alone two. So uh, we'll wait to hear more information about that. But uh, pretty cool for people who like Final Fantasy. They're eating good right now. Last week, I talked about the PlayStation Portal, which is their new handheld remote play device that literally has to stream directly from your PlayStation or it won't work properly. Uh, they officially announced that the that it is going to launch on the 15th of November. Um, and it uh, the pre-orders, I believe, are going to go live soon. So you can only get them from P PS Direct. I'm sorry, they're open in select countries right now. So you can... You can go on there and pre-order in, in most countries. Um, the pre-orders will open at other retailers on the 29th of September. So I'm guessing like Best Buy, GameStop, etc., EB Games in the Europe. Uh, so yeah, the 15th of November is when it's going to officially launch. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I don't know what to say. I, I think that... Uh, you know, for, for the price that it is and for what it offers, it's not really going to be what most people are going to want, you know, in a, in a, in a handheld device from PlayStation. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if this is, if this is for you, that's great. You know, if you're a person who just kind of wants to play at home and doesn't want to have to be looking at a TV screen, you can, you can use the little portal to, to play some games on, but I mean, I think most people would rather have had a gaming device, a handheld gaming device. Okay, Bethesda insists that Redfall is going to be improved throughout the lifespan of the game. Uh, they quoted as saying, We are the same company that had has had launches that didn't go the way we wanted, and we don't quit or abandon stuff just because it didn't start right. The Elder Scrolls Online's PC launch was not flawless, but we stuck with it. Now it's like this insanely popular multi-platform. It's the same with Fallout 76. Redfall is no different for us. Uh, they also said, okay, we didn't get the start we wanted, but it's still a fun game. That's debatable. And we're going to keep working on it. We're going to do 60 FPS. We're going to get it to be a good game because we know as a first-party studio, Game Pass lives forever. There will be people 10 years from now who are playing the, who are going to join Game Pass, and Redfall will be there. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that Redfall is going to be on the service for the rest of its lifespan because, you know, Xbox owns the studio. So why would they take it off? I, 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 I think it's, it's going to take a lot of work to get this game into a state that's going to be like, enjoy, like, most more people are going to come around to it. Like, even Fallout 76 still has a major, a, a lot of people who still don't like it, you know? And, and that's just. That's just the facts. Like, they can do as much as they want, but Fallout 76 was still a flop when it came out. And it's, I mean, it's still not bo 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 boasting the numbers that other games like it, these big open world MMO type games, have. And it, it's, I mean, yeah, it had a bumpy launch, and a lot of people were disappointed, and a lot of people never came back to it, me, myself included. The Elder Scrolls Online, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if it's completely. Like, I don't remember the discourse around the PC launch, personally. Um, but, I mean, yeah, that game has improved, and it's got a, a pretty good player base to it. Don't get me wrong, but comparing The Elder Scrolls and Fallout 76, which are both MMOs, to Redfall, which is a four-player cooperative open-world-ish type game, uh, yeah, it's not exactly the, the same. I mean... 
I mean, the least of my worries was the 60 FPS. Like that's that, like that's one of the, like you know gamers. If something's not 60 FPS, they go re. But like, I really don't mind if something is 30 FPS or 60 FPS. Honestly, as long as the game is good, it it won't really matter. As long as the game looks good, it doesn't really matter. This game doesn't really look that good. It doesn't play that well. It's boring. Like hunting the vampires is boring. The open world is dull and boring. It definitely needed a vehicle, which the map seemed to be designed around, but who knows what happened. Uh, and the game is a little bit too easy. Like, even playing solo, I was able to one-shot kill most vampires I ran into, and the bosses were about the same way. I just kind of beat them up and moved on. So there's definitely more that needs to be done to this game than maybe the... I don't know. Maybe the developer expects, or whoever was talking about the game, but... Yeah, I, I wish that this game was better. It had a lot of potential. And obviously, Arcane has a lot of fans behind them, especially after the Dishonored series and Deathloop. I mean, this this was this was set up for to be a win, but it ended up being an L because of Xbox in this case. Xbox pushed the game out the door. And now the, the developer studio has to deal with the consequences. And it shouldn't, I mean, they shouldn't have, I mean, I don't think, I don't think anyone out, I mean, if, if there is someone blaming Arcane about the launch of this game, they're wrong. It's definitely Xbox was pushing the game to meet deadlines and stuff like that. So don't blame Arcane, Austin, and if they want to try and fix the game, I'll put more power to them. Maybe I'll pick up the game sometime in the future. It's still on my Xbox uh, Series S, so I could pick up the game in the future, but I don't know. It's one of those games that, you know, sometimes... I mean, look, first first impressions matter. They so truly matter. And when you stumble at the beginning, it's hard to get back on your feet. I mean, there's, there's, there's only a few examples of games really getting back into the good graces of people after a terrible launch. One of them being No Man's Sky, the other one being The Elder Scrolls Online. Um, other than that, there's not many that I can think of off the top of my head. RoboCop Rogue City. We just had a really nice showcase for the game, or I guess gameplay video for the game. Uh, but they've decided to push the game back from October to November. Now, a lot of the sites that the game is being pre-ordered on don't actually show it yet. It still has a September release window. Uh, but it has been confirmed by Gamescom. I'm sorry, not Gamescom. By the developer, uh, Nancon that the game is going to be pushed back to the 2nd of November, give the game a little bit more time, and possibly get it out of the uh, major game cycle that's happening right now. Um, so we have to wait a little bit more for to, to hit the streets of Rogue City. Um, hopefully it'll be worth it. I think that um, I think it looks pretty good so far. And uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait a little bit longer for this one. So RoboCop Rogue City coming November now instead of September. Hey, as we all know, October is right around the uh, the corner, and what better way to bring in October by getting some Nintendo Switch Joy-Con and Pro Controllers themed around Call to the Lamb. The Joy-Cons, half of it is like a flowery, colorful scene with the lamb dancing around. The other half is the flowers turn the bones, and the lamb is doing his whole like black eye voodoo thing. On the back of the controllers, there's a few flowers and stuff like that. And then there's also bones on the back of the other one. The controllers are pretty much the same way. 
Uh, the Actually, it's kind of the same. So the front of the controller is all flowery. The back of the controller is all bones. Um, so this, this is going to be $165 for either the Pro Controller or the Joy-Cons. Design is great, and I am tempted to pick this up, but it's a bit too pricey in my opinion. It is a limited release, so there's only going to be 125 of each controller. So 125 Joy-Cons, 125 Pro Controllers. These are expected to ship in late October, um, so if you want them, you, you better pre-order them sooner rather than later. These are officially licensed controllers with premium packaging. There's going to be an, uh, a, an exclusive enamel pin um, and a stainless steel authenticity card signed by the artist Captain Alex. Um, so there you go. Pretty cool. Uh, I like. I love the design. I really do. I just wish they weren't so expensive. <laughs> Sam Barlow, the person behind Immortality, which got a lot of praise at the Game Awards last year, even though I didn't even know about it, uh, he came out and said that there is a PS5 version in the works. Right now, there's a PC and an Xbox Series X and S version, uh, which got pretty high praises, 88 on Metacritic, which isn't too bad. Um, so the, he, he said he's working on a PS5 version now, which it would be great. Um, I, that would really give more players the game to play. Um, you know, I, Sam Burlow, he's pretty famous for like these interactive, you know, FMV kind of storytelling kind of games. Her story was huge back when that came out. That was pretty good. Telling Lies didn't get, didn't play that one, but I'm sure it has some good reviews. I don't know. Um, but, uh, Immortality apparently expands on the two games as concepts, um, by linking a narrative across three movies. So we'll, we no no official date as to when Immortality is coming to PS5, but he is working on it, which is great. So I guess we'll find out in the future. Um, fitness boxing is actually being removed from the Switch eShop in Europe. It's still available in Japan and in America, uh, but for some reason, in the UK and Europe. The game is going to be unavailable after the 30th of November. Uh, Nintendo shared the announcement on their UK and Europe Twitter accounts, um, stating that, yeah, on the 30th of November, the game is going to be no longer be available to purchase digitally. And they just have a link to the game's site. So it's not really sh we're not really sure why it's being taken down from digital storefronts. Obviously, you could still buy a physical version of the game if you so desire. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, just, it's a quite a weird thing. Um, maybe they're taking it down because there's maybe copyrighted music that they didn't get the license or re-up the license for, so they got to take it out, and I don't know. It's, it's weird. Maybe we'll hear more about it in the future, but as of right now, kind of a head-scratcher. And finally for the news today, Lara Croft is joining Call of Duty next month, along with 21 Savage and Mace, which was from, uh, 2019's Modern Warfare. Uh, so the rapper Twenty One Savage will be coming, uh, will be arriving in season five, called Reloaded, and then uh, Tomb Raider's protagonist Lara Croft will be joining as well on the 9th of September. Uh, she'll be purchasable with a bundle that will also give you a um, Mythic Defender SMG, Ice Axe melee weapon and the dual pistols as sidearms. Uh, you can also get a vehicle skin for the Chop Top 
a sticker, an emblem, and a new loading screen. Fans of 21 Savage and Mace can look forward to similar offerings. No exact reveals for their kits just yet. Um, so, yeah, Lara Croft. I guess she's a good candidate to come over the Modern Warfare as any other character. Um, I just, I'm just afraid that they're going to get a little bit too crazy. I mean, they released like a cat character not too long ago, which is kind of interesting for a game that's so set in more of a reality other than Fortnite. You know, because Fortnite's very goofy. It's not, it's not realistic at all. And you look at something like Call of Duty, and they strive for like realism in the games. But then you have a person who's like a cat human, you know, or you have. You know, just any number of weird characters join the roster. Um, so I think they need to tone it down a little bit. But, I mean, I, I, Lara Croft isn't bad of a character to, to, to put into the game. I think that she fits the action-packed Call of Duty experience. So, yeah. Um, so that comes around September 9th. Okay, let's go ahead and switch over to the final part of the show, which is What's Coming Soon. Skull Island, The Rise of King Kong has an official release date. This is like the top-down brawler-type game. doesn't look that great graphically, but maybe it plays well. Who knows? Uh, they officially revealed that it's coming November 7th—no, I'm sorry, October 17th, which is not too long before Marvel's Spider-Man and not too far after Assassin's Creed Mirage, Lords of the Fallen— um, this is a $40 game. I don't think it's going to sell too well, especially being in October. Like, come on. <laughs> what, what are you thinking? Uh, but yeah, that's coming November 17th for $40. Another game also got a release date, uh, Pizza Possum. Uh, this was a fun-looking game that's kind of in the same vein as Untitled Goose Game, where you kind of go around and you steal food from people. That's a possum. Uh, that'll be launching on the 28th of September. And, uh, yeah, I think it looks pretty fun. Definitely a fun-looking game. I believe there's some co-op in there if you want to play it with other people as well. Fun graphic style. Um, seems like it's going to be a pretty fun game. So if you want to check that out, uh, if you want to go to the Raw Theories YouTube channel, they have a nice trailer for that. Gunbrella also has a release date. Uh, this did not show up at the Devolver Delayed Showcase, and uh, I'm glad because this game is looking really good. Uh, the official release date is September 13th. Um, looks like it's going to be kind of like a, um, what is it, like a Metroidvania or something like that where you, you use an umbrella to do different things like shoot people and hover and etc., Looks pretty good. Um, if you pre-order the game, I believe you get a free copy of Gatto Roboto along with it, which is pretty nice of them to do. Uh, so yeah, uh, 13th of September. Let's see. Uh, here's a blurb from their Steam page. Engage in thrilling side-scrolling action, making full use of Gunbrella's unique maneuverability and close-quarters combat capabilities. The Gunbrella is more than just a weapon. Use it to glide, swing, dash, and dive around the world and discover seemingly unattainable secrets along the way. Uh, from a small town menace by cult kidnappings to a junkyard fortress ruled by a ruthless trash game, explore a diverse assortment of unusual locations and interrogate bizarre characters on your quest for answers. Salvage scrap and spare parts for trade uh, for different munitions, upgrades, and impermeable arsenal in your for your impermeable arsenal. As your search deepens, 
and you conjure increasingly ghastly agents of the supernatural, you'll need all the help that you can get. So, um, Pixel art style looks great. It's only $15. It's coming out September 13th. This is a must-have for people who are fans of Devolver Digital and Gato Roboto, in my opinion. Hatsune Miku. I was hoping I would never have to say this name ever again, but she is getting her very own fitness boxing game. That's right. <laughs> the same day that they t reveal that they are going to be taking the fitness boxing game down from the Switch eShop in Europe, they revealed that Hatsune Miku is getting her own fitness boxing adventure. Uh, this is coming out in spring of 2024, only in Japan at this point. Um, so I'm, sh I'm sure that they'll port the game over to American or European audiences, I would guess. Um, Hatsune Miku has a lot of fans, uh, across the world, I would, I would think. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a brief trailer of her doing kickboxing moves to a song. Um, that's, uh, coming, yeah, coming in spring 2024 in Japan. Um, so there you go. Uh, Rugrats is getting a game. Uh, this is a, it's, it's like a Game Boy era inspired game, kind of like Grimace's birthday. Uh, but it's definitely more of a fleshed out experience. Um, essentially you are one of the four or five Rugrats and you're adventuring around, uh, unlocking gates, waking up Grandpa, sneaking around Spike, etc. Um, Rugrats Adventure in Gameland will see you join fan-favorite characters Tommy, Chucky, Phil, and Lil as they embark on a journey of imagination and wonder inspired by classic NES titles. You can actually play in the NES 8-bit kind of style or in a fully uh, hand-drawn HD mode, which also looks really good as well. Um, you meet other characters like Stu, Pickles, and his wife Angelica, Cynthia, Spike, etc., Lots of people to meet, uh, lots of characters to meet uh, from the show. Um, explore multiple levels featuring their own themes, secrets, and boss encounters. Hop, bop, and swap between babies, each with distinct abilities and mechanics. Toggle between 8-bit and HD artwork, hand-drawn animations to match the cartoon style. Um, this is coming from The Mix, who have only specified PC and consoles so far, so we can't say if it's coming to... Uh, PlayStation, Switch, Xbox, etc. Um, but we know it's at least coming to PC and probably most consoles. Um, looks pretty. I mean, looks pretty good. I mean, all things considered. I mean, you know that that Grimace's birthday game was 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 a shock. You know, it was it was like a really good bite-sized experience. And this looks like it's definitely a more fleshed-out kind of game, reminiscent of the old days. And that's coming in 2024. Borderlands. Uh, Borderlands 3 Ultimate Edition is finally coming to Switch in October with all the DLC included, which is a long time coming, seeing as it was already released on Xbox and PlayStation. And then they also announced that the Pandora's Box edition of the game is going to be coming. Uh, actually, it's already around on Steam, PlayStation, and Xbox. It includes every single game in the series so far, including Tales from the Borderlands, New Tales from the Borderlands, uh, the pre-sequels, Borderlands 1, 2, 3, and all their DLCs. Um, the Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is not included, the new game. That is not included. Uh, that's a spin-off of Borderlands. Um so I guess that's the only thing that's not going to be included in this in this box. So they'll probably re-release re it in the future, calling it the complete Pandora's box. I don't know. 
Um, all I know is if, if, if you own other games on Steam, it really lowers the price of the games you don't have on, on the platform, which is really cool. If you've never played a Borderlands game, it's definitely worth grabbing this box because there's, you know, there's a lot of good games here. One, two, pre-sequel with all their DLCs. Tales from the Borderlands is really good. Um, the Borderlands 3, the gameplay is good, but the story is not that great, and the boss fights aren't that amazing. But it's still a fun game to play through, at least. Um, and New Tales from the Borderlands, I haven't played that yet. I have not heard good things about it, um, but uh, I haven't played it yet myself, so I can't really comment on that. So the Pandora's Box is available now. Borderlands 3 Ultimate Edition is coming to Switch in October. There is an Ebenezer Scrooge Metroidvania coming in November. On November 3rd, Ebenezer and the Invisible World will be coming out, and I am flabbergasted. We're getting a Grinch video game and an Ebenezer Scrooge game. The world is is chaotic at this point. You play as Ebenezer as he runs through a Metro, Metroidvania world inspired by Charles Dickens's classic novel, A Christmas Character. Um, so dash through the cobblestone streets of London, encountering malicious phantoms and Mathusis private guards along the way. Uh, unfortunately, Ebenezer has spirits up his sleeve. Summon familiar ghosts with distinct abilities, including impressive attacks, movement skills, potent buffs. Repel the un unrepentant ghosts lingering in the wake of the dark spirit's return. Uh, graphically, I mean, it looks fine. You know, it's got like a sort of hand-drawn aesthetic to it. Um... Yeah, I don't know. This is a weird one. I, 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 I mean, Charles Dickens's Christmas Carol is in the public domain, so I guess anyone can really make a game based off of it or whatever, any property that they want off of it at this point. Um, just, a, just a weird one. Kind of a weird one, not going to lie. This is coming across all platforms, though, including Steam, Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation. So if you want to check that out on Play On Worlds' YouTube channel, you can see the Ebenezer and the Invisible World trailer. Kind of weird. Interesting, at least. Power Wash Simulator is getting DLC for Back to the Future. Uh, they showed off the Power Wash guy uh, cleaning the out-of-time license plate for the DeLorean. Uh, and then Back to the Future. They, they announced that they're doing a Back to the Future collab. Uh, this is coming soon, so I'm guessing probably within the next month or so. It's going to be an $8 DLC if you want to check that out. Um, they haven't revealed what else you will be... Uh, I guess they have. So here we go. Uh, Doc Brown's van, the time machine, of course, Hill Valley Clock Tower, the Hollow Max Theater, and Doc's time train. So in the Discord, I kind of guessed what would be in it. I did guess the time train and his and Doc's van. Um, I did not guess the clock tower or the Hollow Max Theater. I was guessing like maybe Biff's car covered in manure. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> um, if you're a trophy hunter, there's ten new trophies in with this DLC as well. So, yeah, that's coming soon. Looks like it's going to be kind of fun. Um, maybe not as involved as this SpongeBob DLC, but still pretty good looking. Here are your games for PlayStation Plus Essentials coming in September. Um, so you can actually start downloading these on September 5th. So you have Saints Row, the reboot, which, I mean, personally, I know a lot of people are like, oh, why? Personally, not, not like too bad not 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 a bad get honestly um i think that it's actually not a bad one um because it's a big game it's an open world i think that in general it's fun 
Uh, so maybe give it a shot. You know, it's obviously it's going to be free on PlayStation Plus, so you might as well check it out. You know, another game called Generation Zero, which I never played. It looks like an open world game, first person shooter where you, sh- where, you where you fight robots. Um, I think it has some pretty low reviews though, so oopsies. And then finally, you get Black Desert Traveler Edition, which is an open world MMO. And the Traveler's Edition is like a item pack that you can that you can get. Uh, the the help boost your early experience, I guess. So all in all, I mean, not an amazing show showing for PlayStation Plus. Um, Saints Row is, I mean, you know, Saints Row is pretty good. I think if there were two different games along with Saints Row, people would be saying that this is a good month. But because all three of these games kind of have, you know, mixed results, mixed feelings. I mean, I'm not as critical as other people, but you know. Like, I'm not going to be playing Generation Zero or Black Desert. Like, that's not for me. But Saints, I mean, the Saints Row reboot, I already bought it myself. So it's it's really not a good month for me. But I think if you haven't played the Saints Row reboot, try it out. See if you like it. I mean, I know it's kind of cringy at times with the dialogue. But I think the gameplay is solid and the open world is pretty good. So there's that. And finally for today, here's nine games leaving Xbox Game Pass soon on September 15th. And all these are console and PC. We have Amazing Cultivation Simulator, Aragami 2, Dagon Rampa V3, DC League of Super Pets The Adventures of Crypto and Ace, Fuga Melodies of Steel, Metal Hellsinger, Sid Meier's Civilization 6, Tainted Grail Conquest, and Train Simulator World 3. Um, I would definitely recommend checking out Aragami 2. I think a lot of people love Dagon Rampa. Fuga. Uh, Metal Health Singer, Sid Meier's Civilization. I think those are the best games that are leaving right now. Never played uh, the other ones. Um, DC League of Super Pets is a kid's game, so maybe you're, maybe a kid would like to play that. Obviously, there's a lot of games coming to Xbox Game Pass in September. I think I've already kind of gone over most of these, but uh, starting on the 5th of September, you're going to get Grease. I, I remember the, how to pronounce the name this time. So number six is Starfield, which, I mean, I would love to have talked about Starfield in this episode, but it's going to be next time. I didn't want to buy the early adopters edition, so there you go. So number six is Starfield. September 19th, Lies of P. September 20th, Party Animals. September 21st, Payday 3. And September 29th, Cocoon. Xbox Game Pass has literally saved my wallet this month. Besides from Mortal Kombat 1, I'm pretty much going to be playing all these games on Game Pass Starfield, Liza P, Cocoon, Payday 3, Party Animals. So definitely a good month for me in terms of like saving some money here. Um, And hopefully you will save some money too if you so desire. All right, folks, let's go ahead and move on over to the end here. Uh, Let's go ahead and give a listen to today's song of the week. Uh, If you give me the song name and the game that's from, I will give you a free super reaction on Discord or a heart and a congratulations on YouTube in the comments. Uh, Let's go ahead and listen to what today's song is right now. Okay, if you know what the name of that song is, let me know in the comments below or in the Discord. All right, folks, uh, if you want to check out what I do, uh, I stream Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Uh, this coming week is going to be a little bit different, um, so keep keep stay tuned for 
some different days that I will be streaming because we got a concert to go to on Thursday, so I'll probably be streaming on Friday. Uh, other than that, uh, right now we're playing through Lords of the Fallen from 2014. It's actually not been that bad so far, surprisingly enough. It's actually been pretty enjoyable. Um, there's like one enemy that's really annoying, but everything else is like pretty good so far. And then we just started Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered. I'm playing. I'm, I'm playing through that right now to get ready for Spider-Man 2. So it should be a fun time. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fair 64. Hope you enjoyed. If you want to check me out anywhere else, it's all at Yemi the Ferret, whether it be on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, etc. Also, don't forget the Yemi the Ferret VODs channel where all my streams go, and also I upload clips there as well. And also, also, don't forget to check out Film Freaks with a Z, my other podcast about movies. We recently talked about Holes, and the next episode is going to be about Fast Five, which is coming out next week. Um, thank you so much for... Anyone who's listening on whether whatever platform you're listening on, don't forget to give this uh, episode a like. Maybe even a rate. Maybe even rate the podcast if you're on Spotify, uh, and let me know what you thought about anything down below. And I will see you all next week. Bye bye. The Ferret sixty four podcast is owned and edited by Yemi the Ferret. The song Nightshade, used in the intro and outro, is owned by Adhesive Wombat. Small sound clips during the podcast were made by Yemi the Ferret. News sources include Nintendolife.com, PushSquare.com, and PureXbox.com. All opinions video game related are my own. Thank you for listening.